This week on Double-Edged Sword, Father Matthew Cohen talks about living in a world that makes us afraid to live. Why do people fear death? How could saints be brave enough to give up their lives? Well, let's find out. Father Matthew is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger. We're talking with Father Matthew Cowan and uh, how to live in a world that makes us afraid to live. And Father Matthew was ordained a priest five years ago in the Diocese of Gaylord, Michigan. Father Matthew is on loan to the Diocese of Salina and is an associate pastor at St. Joseph Church in Hayes, assistant chaplain of the Como Catholic Campus Center in Hayes. And Father Matthew, we met at uh, the banquet um, and got a chance to talk to you a little bit. And of course, I'm I'm sure Bishop Vinke might have had a little bit to do with the reason you're here. Would that be accurate? Yeah, it is, Deacon. And Thank you. It's good to see you again. Good to see you. Well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we're in a, a situation now, obviously, with the pandemic and all of the things going on in our world, things are really, it's been an unprecedented year. 2020 is one that many people just want to say, let's get it behind us. But I, I have this feeling we're going to move into 2021, uh, still dealing with the COVID situation, unfortunately, but it is a thing that we do have to deal with and we have to learn to trust and, and not fear. So let's talk about, you know, people live allowing fear to control them. Some people are afraid of flying, for example. Some are afraid, be, afraid of being in the midst of a terrorist attack. Others maybe have a fear of public speaking. And obviously with the coronavirus, um, that seems to be what many people are afraid of right now. And how do we get to the point of being people being afraid to live in the world? Now, Deacon, that's a really good question. And I, for one, I'm afraid of public speaking, so this is this is good practice for me. <laughs> we we realize that when each of us are doing our best to live out God's will for us in our lives, when we take that plunge like Saint Peter did when he Jesus asked him to come out from the boat onto the water, and he trusted Jesus. That's one of the things that we can practice every day of our life. We know that that flows from our prayer life. It really flows from our prayer life. When we look in our world today, as you mentioned with especially the coronavirus, it's a sad thing where it's a real real virus, of course. Myself and Father Brian and many of the other priests in the area here were called to the hospital every once in a while to the coronavirus unit. And it's such a sad thing when we get there, when we see the people who are there and they're not allowed to leave. And I understand the precautions that they're trying to take at the hospital, but it's such a sad thing. The patients are there and there's no lights for them outside to see. There's no windows, they're just there. And we go and we give them last rites and we're so grateful the hospital is being good letting us in letting us come in but each of us know we we need to just simply live for god we trust in god every day it takes practice as i said the um ultimate core of what it seems to me in my humblest opinion going on so much fear is people seem to have a fear of death 
It just seems that there's a fear of death, and I understand that. We know in our life that it's death is something that we can't control. It's something that each of us at some point will experience. But we know as Christians that Jesus wants us together in heaven with him forever. He wants us to be in heaven with him forever. The saints, many of them, we, we see the old statues and... Um, St. Jerome, for example, there's, they're, they're always depicted in their statues. They have a little skull by their feet. Mm-hmm. And the church has always taught us to remember our happy death, our happy death, as the church calls it. And we, we go forward knowing that certainly in this life, especially in the pandemic and what's going on right now, as I said, it's real. Though when we live out a normal, normal hygiene life, when we're, when we're just simply take good precautions. At some point, we know Jesus is going to call us forward to heaven is what our goal is, and that's where we want to be. It seems as though so many Christians have forgotten that that humble hope, that happy death that we have when we're living our lives for Jesus, when we trust him, and all those little matters that can lead up to that point at the end when he might call us home. The things that we do when we're worried about our job when we trust in the Lord, the things that we do when we go out in public, like I said, like you said, if we have a fear of flying or something, or if we're simply afraid of uh, going in a car, some people, we have these fears, each of us do, but our good Lord wants us to practice entering into trusting in him, realizing that he will see us through all difficulty, especially this time in the pandemic. And I don't know what your opinion is on this, but I just wanted to put it out there I'm no expert on media. You obviously, you know, you do radio. Mm-hmm. Deacon, you know, it's um, something that I don't do. Um, but it seems to me that there's um, so much fear being spread in, in media, in media these days, that whether or not it's all justified, it, it just seems like the media, the news, the, um, the public news sources are almost doing a concerted effort to try to make people be afraid. Mm-hmm. And that's, it seems to me that's a pandemic in and of itself, that, that fear that we're almost being forced upon us, if that makes sense. And we know that Jesus said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I uh, I totally agree, and it, and it's it's unfortunate. You know, we do know that this is obviously a serious situation. Uh, it hits very close to home with me now. But by the same token, I think that is that is something that you know we have to be aware of. That uh, many of the news outlets, many of the you know, I guess I'd call them liberal news outlets, are really, really you know, almost instilling that sense of fear. And I think there's. Um, I think there's at least a balance there that we need to find, and and so unfortunately, we see that, and so so many people, so many people too. I think the other problem is is I want to just tell people turn it off, shut it off. I agree. Um, and you know, go spend an hour in adoration, do something other than just sitting and watching um, the news and watching. You know what? Why do why do we have so much depression today and other things? I think part of that too is just people get so caught up in. I world, agree uh, that that we're so we're we're so ingrained in that here that we don't think about turning to God, looking to Amen. God in prayer, and 
the Twitter so, feeds, the Facebook oh, pop-up. It's just yeah, the, meant no, to. the noise, mm-hmm. the noise of the world. And uh, like I always say, when I talk about noise, I'm not just talking about audible noise. I'm talking about noise, the distractions, everything we have. Amen. Uh, just like you said, the smartphones, which aren't necessarily that smart. And I have one, but I'm, you know, and I'm dependent on it. Sometimes it's like too much. Mm-hmm. I always say if, if people would spend an hour in adoration a week, what a different world we'd have. Amen, Deacon. So, I, I agree. And I think it was St. Alphonsus Liguri who would say, the priests and the nuns and the deacons need to pray multiple hours a day, which makes sense, you mm-hmm. know, for us to be sustained in our own ministry. But then he said, the lay people of God, men and women, they, he, he always would ask them to spend 15 minutes of, in prayer a day, preferably in the church with the Blessed Sacrament. Here in Hayes, I know St. Joseph is open in the morning, 5.30 to 10 o'clock at night. St. Immaculate Heart has the Perpetual Adoration Chapel, such a beautiful thing. And we can go in before work, after work, pop in during our lunch hour. It's just, as you said, for that fear and to respond to it in the right way, prayer is so important. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Uh, just the prayers foundation is such a, an incredible thing for us when we when we do it. Prayed to live, Father. What about the effect that that fear has had on society? We see more. You know, isn't it interesting that we're more connected than ever with, as we call smartphones and all of the technology we have? Yet we have more loneliness. We have more suicide. Um, the immune system effectiveness of the immune system is lowered because of all this. I just think that's a very interesting. Uh, anomaly, I guess, if you will. I I agree, Deacon. Uh, God, in the beginning of Scripture, He made He made them male and female. It's a very very small set of people in the world who God calls to be hermits. Most of us, He He put us out there in relationships. God wants us to go out in relationships, male and female. He created them. A man will leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife. We know that. Jesus, when he chose his disciples, he he chose 12 of them, and then he sent them out in pairs. Human beings were always meant to reflect God, who is that beautiful relationship as well, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And even though um, it's excellent when we are away from family, for example, if my family, as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm from Michigan, and so I, I can use things like Zoom or my cell phone to see them communicate with them. it's a nice thing at the end of the day though we know that uh zoom and facetime these things don't necessarily actually they're not as as, as good as a face-to-face relationship with a person sitting down with family with friends it's just such a beautiful thing when we can do that in person. That's the way Jesus always seemed to heal as well. We know that Jesus didn't just do it from a distance. Jesus was always coming up to people. He would lay his hands on them. He would take the children to himself. He would make mud and put it on the man who was blind. He always would heal through touch, through that that personal relationship. and. I just think you're completely right in saying that this fear that's going on right now, certainly as we've said, yeah, it's the virus, it's it's real, it's contagious at the same time. My hope is that uh, people don't take it too far. It's a sad thing when I go out in town here and um, it's always been my habit as a priest to go and visit people at their homes. Um, 
Uh, sometimes I'll see them at work. If I, I love going to um, our students' sporting events and plays and that sorts of thing. And at this point, it sound, it seems as though it, you know those opportunities are going to be thinning out quite a bit. And it's a sad thing as a, as administry as a priest. It's we we're called to be like Jesus to have that personal interaction with people mm-hmm. like he did and. When I do go to people's homes, nine times out of ten, they're very happy to see me, uh, the parishioners here in town, and I always let them know, you know, I don't need to come in. If you don't want me to, I understand. And um, most of the time, people, they want to have a visit, and we'll be creative sometimes. You know, we'll meet out on the porch or out out in the yard or in the, you know, to have the open air. And um, it is very sad to see and hear um some people who tell me, Father, you're the first person I've seen in three months, four months, five months in person. And what you were saying about depression, it's a real thing, the spiritual side effect, I think, of what's going on as a result of the fear that's being pressed upon us. It's it's a tangible thing. And it, we, we as a society, I, I hope, and I'm no expert, I've admitted that before, it just seems like there's got to be a better way. It seems like there's got to be a better way. We, we really we need to take care of those who are vulnerable, not only not only with their their health and well being, but their overall well being, their spiritual well being. And you mentioned too. I've you know I've heard it said that people are having some other health issues as a result of just not being out in public, lower lower immune systems, and that makes complete sense. Um, before I was a priest, I was a teacher and. When you're a teacher, you know, you're in the school and you're exposed to so much. And um, I feel as though it probably helped my immune system. But it, it makes complete sense what, what people have said, that when we're just in our homes and we're not getting as much sunlight outside, fresh air, these sorts of things because of, you know, fear of leaving home, it's a, it has an overall effect on our, on our, our spiritual well-being. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. A little bit about social media and, and, and the news media adding to people's fears. Obviously, that's one thing. I think, as we mentioned, just shutting those, sometimes shutting the devices down. It's not an easy thing to do. We get so used to it. We become kind of, kind of like we're missing a limb if we don't have it in our hand. So. I agree, Deacon. I had a, a good friend I was in seminary with, and he just texted me the other day, and um he said he decided for Advent to give up the Internet. And other than his job, you know, he, he needs it for his job, and he's happy. Mm. He's liking it. Yeah. You know, he's, um, he's very present with his wife, with his, with his three children, and I, it hadn't occurred to me that's something, you know, for Advent to give up. You know, it seems like more of a Lenten thing, but it makes complete sense. And um, he's a serious Catholic, and... In the world right now, there can be so much that's coming at us that just can bog us down. And so I'm just throwing that out there as a little suggestion. A good mm-hmm. friend who I was in seminary with, and he's since married and has children. But that's what he's decided to do for Advent. Uh, great idea. So let's let's talk about fear. Uh, you know, how much of fear is lack of control? And, and, again, why do we feel like we need to be control of everything in our lives? I do think that a lot of fear is, is based in lack of control. Fear often, it seems, is the, um, we don't, it's the unknown. It's the unknown. We're not sure what's going to happen. It's not so many people we have, you know, it's a logical thing if, 
you know, we're out walking down the street and a neighbor's dog comes out after us. You know, we don't just sit there and say, I'm not afraid. You know, there's, there's a point where we have to certainly be uh, prudential and it makes sense that, you know, we try to defend ourselves. But at the end of the day, when if we're afraid to simply live our life, um, so many people can be afraid of what, um, for example, evil can do to them in their lives. But we sometimes can forget that, well, we know nothing bad in this life. Nothing can happen unless our good Lord allows it in some way, shape, or form. And he does it because he wants greater good to come from it. Jesus told us in Scripture that who among you can add a year to your life through worry? And he makes the point that the birds of the air, our good Lord takes care of them, and the flowers in the field, he makes sure that they have what they need. And he just makes it point again and again that he wants us to know how much more he loves us, how much better we are than anything else he created. He's going to take care of us. Our good Lord Jesus is going to take care of us. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy in the meantime. It doesn't mean that we won't have some things happening in our life here and in our country and in our world even that are going to be difficult because there are, and we see those things happening. But we need to, that cliche almost, let go and let God. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes daily practice. I'm guilty of it too. I get you know, that my schedule of things I'm going to do throughout the day. And then as a priest, the um, the phone rings and it's somebody else that needs me right away. And so I have to go and my temptation is to be, well, geez, how, you know, how am I going to get all these things done? And the, the answer is, well, there's other things that I can give up that I didn't need to do that for my own personal desire that I, I don't need to read that book at night or I can take this time. The good Lord will provide us with that time. Someone in our own lifetime, like Mother Teresa, what a perfect example, I think. Someone who wasn't afraid. Someone who was open to whatever God might have been calling her to do at every moment. She was going here. She was going there. She was going into the Middle East, into war zones, to take out the children who were in danger out of those orphanages. Mother Teresa was in the middle of Calcutta, walking around, little less than five foot lady in dangerous places, but she was just trusting our Lord doing his will. And her ultimate goal was to be in heaven. Mm. She had that beautiful, not carefree attitude, but she just had that open attitude with God that his will be done and she was going to do it. When, when you were talking about fear, one of the things that came to mind was Padre Pio. And uh, one, of his, one of his famous quotes, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. And he said, it goes, and we hear that part of it a lot of times, but there's really more where he says, God is merciful and will hear your prayer. Have courage, do not fear the assaults of the devil. Um, uh, I think that's the other thing that we deal with. And, and folks, uh, we, this morning we were talking early on about, you know, even people believing that Satan exists and, and doubting that Satan even exists, mm-hmm. of course, which is a, another lie of, of the devil, which he likes, because then that's just one other thing he doesn't have to worry about. Um, but but I think that's another one, again, with Padre, P- Padre Pio and uh, reminding us not to, you know, fear. Throughout Scripture, we hear fear not. How many times is that in Scripture? Mm-hmm. Another quote let's talk about. It's a quote found. Um, I'm not sure who said it. I may have to look this up while you're talking about it. But we fear man so much because we fear God so little. Mm. Uh, would you agree with that quote? Amen. I think that's a great quote, Deacon. And I can... I can see it in my own life. You know, we, um, 
the fear of God, it's not as the scriptures will say, and I'm no Greek scholar. I had to, they made me though take it in, in um, seminary a little bit. And that fear, I don't think it's a fear, like I said earlier, with if a neighbor's dog comes out and bares its teeth at you and when we're talking about God, that fear of God is just, it's, it's like a combination of awe and respect and being completely awestruck before God. The saints who had the blessing to see God, saints like Sister Faustina and St. Lucia of Fatima and St. Ignatius of Loyola, their words, they just simply fall short at the awestruck, the experience of seeing God. They're just blown away. And we know in Scripture, even when the angels show up, people usually freak out just because of their glory. And if the angels are just a little reflection of God, how, how much more would we, should we be um, awestruck and just humbled before God? And certainly, it's, um, Jesus reminds us in Scripture that we shouldn't fear those who can take our body. We should fear the one who can ruin our soul. And it's that Christian balance, that mystery of realizing that there is the possibility of a lot of struggle and suffering in this life, but at the same time that the reward for that perseverance in heaven is so much more beautiful than anything we can imagine. Some of those saints who saw heaven, as I said earlier, they just, they give us their words, but it just blows them away. But they make it clear to us that it's worth it. It's worth it to seek truth and righteousness and goodness in this life and because the reward in heaven is so great. And I'll be preaching a little bit about this this weekend. For some reason, it occurred to me that the people that we often tend to pick on a lot, the people that were living in, in Germany during the reign of Hitler in World War II, and I've often wondered, like, why didn't they do more? You know, why didn't they do more? And I go back and look, and I did some research and I found out that there were people that did some things and it didn't end up well for them. I think people can have the temptation to try to justify putting up with so much just in order to have a little bit of ease and comfort in this life. And it's not as though ease and comfort's a bad thing. Jesus wants us to have what we need. He makes that clear in Scripture. But at the end of the day, we can never compromise our eternal goal and our living out the Word of God for any sort of short-term ease and comfort. And in my own life, Deacon, that can be a really big temptation. Mm, without a doubt. One of the well, I'm going back to that quote which we just talked about here. Uh, we fear man so much because we fear God so little. I've actually, there's a couple of different sources that um, one has that particular quote, just those words, but there's another quote that goes on to say, one fear cures another. When man's terror scares you, turn your thoughts to the wrath of God. So it's, we fear men so much because we fear God so little. One fear cures another. When man's terror scares you, turn your thoughts to the wrath of God. And that was G.K. Chesterton. Oh, wow. So Chesterton, uh, and there was another one, another name associated to just that first part of the quote, but I was curious, and obviously that um, that sounds like a, certainly could sound like Chesterton talking there. Well, in your well. own preaching, I don't know if you ever encounter it 
at this point in time, people don't like you to talk about God's justice. Mm-hmm. All we want to hear is God's mercy. And mm-hmm. of course, God is all merciful. We know that. Yeah. But Jesus loves us so much in Scripture, he makes it clear that there's justice, too. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about living in a world that makes us afraid to live with Father Matthew Cohen. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. Living in a world that makes us afraid to live. With Father Matthew Cohen. Ken Billinger conducts the interview. We are um, talking this morning with Father Matthew Cowan on how to live in a world that makes us afraid to live and uh, really talking about that fear factor that we are dealing with so much. How about some biblical examples of fear that can help us today? What would you share with the uh, listeners well, there? We know that Jesus himself had fear. Jesus himself, he had fear. Jesus was afraid when he went to the Mount of Olives, when he was out there in the garden, when he was praying. Jesus was so afraid that he had blood, as we know, coming out of his pores, of his his skin. And Jesus was so afraid, but he gives us the example of what we do. He says, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And we know Jesus is, uh, he's our best example, but... He's a hard example, too, because Jesus is God. He's perfect. Everything about his humanness was perfect. His emotions, he didn't have any pride. He didn't have jealousies. He just had a a natural fear of what the physical pain and suffering he was going to go through was. But he did it anyways, that spiritual, that he just knew when we do God's will, we'll be okay. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. We know, too, that... If we fail, he'll forgive us, thankfully. We know the disciples, they all fled, except St. John. Mm-hmm. We know Peter is the best example of that, where he saw Jesus after Jesus was walking on the shore after St. Peter, and John went back out to go fishing after Jesus, after his death, and um, how they had, Peter had run from Jesus, but then he saw Jesus and fled back to him and how Jesus embraced him and gave us that first beautiful example of confession where he had St. Peter go to confession and just let the Lord know how much he was sorry. I assume, even though it doesn't say in Scripture, the rest of the disciples, when they fled from Jesus when he needed them during his suffering, they probably went to some sort of confession as well. If we ever have those points in our life where we don't fully live out our calling for God, where we might be a little bit afraid, when we might not be as open at our workplace if someone challenges our Christianity or out in public if someone challenges us for having a pro-life yard sign, something like that, if we get mocked and challenged and if you know we don't fully respond as courageously but as gently and lovingly as we want, our good Lord gives us confession. There's, we come to confession. We know in Scripture, too, in the Old Testament, the examples are there from the beginning. Adam and Eve, they feared that 
what the devil was telling them about God was true, that he, he wasn't telling them the whole story. They feared that he was holding back from them. Mm. We know King David, he didn't fully trust in God that the plan was going to make him happy when he was king and the infidelity that King David had when he didn't, he feared that living the way God wanted him to live wasn't going to make him fully happy. And then before him, King Saul, we, we see how he didn't fully trust God in his plan as well. He didn't think that the living the way God was going to live was going to make him fully happy and how he went and he wasn't fully faithful to the Lord. But our good Lord is always offering repentance. He's off, always offering repentance for us. And um, what we do is we simply go forward. At the very end of the God, of the Bible, we have St. John, who he lived quite quite an interesting life before he finally died. And at the end of his life, when he was old, he got kicked off to the island of Patmos in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, which I've never been to, but people tell me it's just like a giant rock. And he got out there, and he was meant to to die of thirst, is basically it seems what they wanted him to do when the Romans put them out there. And then at the same time, St. John started having all these crazy visions you know, of the end times, of this future Antichrist, of this false prophet, all these things that St. John, living when he lived, he, he wouldn't have been able to fully understand what was going on, but... He faced it, and he wrote down these, this, the beautiful book of Revelation for us, and he faced that fear, and, and now he's in paradise. And so for us as, as Christians, we, we take those wonderful examples of, of our holy men and women in Scripture, including Jesus himself, how he, how he responded to that fear. And we know Jesus, he always prayed. He prayed so much. Jesus, it often mentions in Scripture almost a throwaway line, if you will. It'll say, Jesus, after spending a night in prayer alone with the Father, coming down from the mountain in prayer. And we know that Jesus also went out to pray for those 40 days in the desert. And so that prayer, as we said earlier, and coming back to it again, it's so important. That prayer is what gives us our nourishment in order to face any fear in the name of Jesus Christ, using his strength and not ours. Because that's what he wants. He wants to be the one that fights for us. And that's such a beautiful thing. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he says. My yoke is easy and my burden light. We just need to be still and let God fight for us. Father, are there saints that have experienced fear? And if so, how did they overcome it? Maybe share some of the saint stories that you're familiar with. Yeah, the saints, God bless them. You're not all of them suffered terrible martyrdom but some of them did we know that a beautiful that one story of the the fellow deacon deacon um let's see is it lawrence lawrence yeah, yeah he, saint lawrence saint lawrence that first saint who was a deacon he um was asked to deny his faith and he refused to do so and so they put him in onto that giant grill and they put him on once on his front or I don't know which side first but after a while he said I'm finished on this side please flip Turn me over, over. and yeah. those who were there they they said that a fragrant smell came forth you know during that that martyrdom and um to be able to face down 
fear like that on our own human level, it's impossible for a human being unless that human being is insane. It's impossible. Mm. Either the most crazy person in the world or they fully have a beautiful faith in Jesus Christ. They have that trust in him that any difficulty they go through in this life will be rewarded in heaven. Mm. And those those martyrs, especially in, for example, in our um, own country here, the North American martyrs that came over to New York and uh, the Ontario area in Canada, some of the um, terrible torments that they went through, they, some were, um, they were skinned and they were burned alive and they had sharp uh, arrows put into their fingers and the nails, fingernails and one of them had his fingers removed and he went back to Europe and then he went right back to preach the good news to the, the people, the natives, to bring Jesus Christ. And once again, either they're fully crazy or they fully have that trust in God. Mm. It doesn't seem to me that it just happens overnight. Those saints, when we hear about uh, their passions and their martyrdoms, they're typically typically adults, not always, but typically it's after years of prayer, years of seeking to develop that relationship with Jesus Christ that's so important. All those rosaries, all the small little practices in which they trusted Jesus, it's, um, it, it builds up and then we see the effect of it when our good Lord is calling them to witness how they go forth and they have they don't have that fear if they if they do have some fear on the human side what they do is they just offer it up to god we see someone like in our own times maximilian colby who as we know he was part of the um the nazi internment camps in auschwitz and how he gave himself up so that others might live and how he when he was put down into the chamber in order to slowly kill him from hunger, how he would go around and he would hear the confessions of the prisoners. He would pray with them. He would do rosaries with them. He would go off the scriptures that he had memorized in his mind, how he just faced it down and he knew that his reward would be great in heaven. Like I said, I don't think these people just wake up one day and then all of a sudden have the, the spiritual strength in order to face down those fears every day. Little by little, they've been practicing. They've been practicing. Their parents taught them to pray and then they would go to church and pray. And whatever calling they found themselves, they would go pray. They would have that, they would build up that, like an athlete does, St. Paul talks about it, an athlete builds up his, his spiritual life over, over a long period. It's not something that just, you don't just go out and run a marathon. Very few people can do that. It takes some practice, it takes time, it takes that discipline, it takes that effort. Once again, that prayer life, it's so important. And I'd say one of my favorite ones, and just because it's such a, how God, only God can work, um, bring so much good out of so much pain and suffering. I think it's, I've seen pictures of the Sistine Chapel, and I'm pretty sure it's St. Bartholomew who was skinned alive. I'm not sure if you can correct me on that one, but there's one. I'm not who, sure either. I remember that, and that I think you might be right. I may have to look that one up. It's just <laughs> kind of a, a beautiful 
story of Christian redemption because there he is, you know, the the saints who are in heaven, and he's holding his skin down that he'd been skinned down in his skin to death in his life, and then he's with that skin, he's holding people up to heaven. You know, he's holding, bringing souls to heaven, like with um, Padre Pio you spoke about earlier, with all that suffering, God never lets it go for bad. He doesn't want us, he doesn't want us to give in to fear. He wants us to give in to trust of him, to trust of him. And as I said, with the saints, I, I think that takes daily practice, that daily practice, that daily time of prayer. And um, so we're, we're all called to model those saints as well. They're you were correct at St. Bartholomew. Was I? Okay, yeah. good. Because there's a picture of him that looks like holding skin. <laughs> yeah, there he and is. That's kind of crazy. God you know. bless him. You know, it's, um, I'm sure he never woke up one day thinking this would happen, but he yeah. he trusted in our good Lord and um, all the good that comes forth from it. Father, in your opinion, how should we as Catholic Christians continue to live in a world where a lot of the population is fearful, the public sector seems to restrict how we move about publicly, we're faced with a lot of challenges right now in an unprecedented time with COVID. What, what, would you, what are your thoughts there? That's a great question, Deacon. And from the beginning, we, we go forth as Jesus said again, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. We know that there's so much going on that my grandfather who was a good old german catholic farmer up in in michigan he wasn't a volga german but he was german nonetheless and he um he passed away a few years ago and i just wonder sometimes because i love talking with him like what would grandpa have said seeing all the things that are happening in our world right now that Mm -hmm. seem to be so unprecedented you know, we see in California, the, the governor there has been trying to shut down any sort of religious worship. It's not just Christians, you know, it's Orthodox Jews, it's, it's Muslims. He's going after all of it. And then we know in New York, the governor Cuomo, who, you know, professed Catholic himself, has been trying to actively shut down any sort of worship service. And, you know, thankfully at this point, the Supreme Court allowed the um the religious institutions to continue holding holding their own religious worship and you know we we don't know how long that's that's going to keep lasting but i just appreciate the um the boldness of the bishop there in the in the bronx new york who went forth and worked with uh the orthodox jews the people of goodwill to go forth and say no our good lord he commanded us to worship him he commanded us to worship him on Sundays. And it's not as though the synagogues and the churches aren't going to have sanitation standards. You know, they're going to be smart about it. They're going to make sure that they do their best to make sure people are good and healthy and safe when they come to church. I know Father Brian Lager here has decided to add another Mass on Sunday mornings just to make sure people can have the space they need to really spread out and that's at 9 a.m. every Sunday morning here now, and it's just a, it's a good idea in general, I think, because we're getting on to the regular flu season, too, mm-hmm. in which it's so easy to contract that. And so I people 
I just appreciate so much the little things they do when they go out in public and if they're by themselves, if they don't don't wear a mask, there's no need to if they're out walking down the street. That's a, a great little witness. It's a great witness when someone comes simply to church on Sunday because they're hearing so much that it's not safe. It's not safe to sit there next to people. Even though we know that there's some rank hypocrisy going on, it seems to me anyways, the the governors in these various states who will allow abortion clinics to remain open and liquor stores and people can buy tobacco, these sorts of things, casinos are allowed to stay open, but the churches are trying to shut down. It's So it's, it's a simple little way that people can put forth a little bit of passive but gentle and bold resistance simply by coming to church on Sunday and worshiping God. That pastor out in California, Reverend MacArthur, I think his name is, and I think it's Los Angeles or San Francisco. I think San Francisco. Is it San Francisco? I right, yeah. Yeah, he, um, I just applauded his courage so much. He just said that even though the governor of California was not going to legally allow them to hold services, they were going to do it anyways, not to be disobedient to the governor, but because he was simply trying to be obedient to God. And mm. I just applauded that courage very much. He wasn't trying to cause trouble by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure he encouraged his people there to practice the sanitary things that can go on, wear a mask if they'd like to, and keeping that distance and washing their hands. But they went forth and they, they kept their worship for God, their obedience to him. And I, I was just so, so, um, so struck with that, that courage, that, that courage by our, non, our non-Catholic brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Christ. I, uh, not trying to toot my own horn, I, I was just so impressed with that. I, I called the church there um, just to let Pastor MacArthur know, and, you know, thank you for your courage. And it was a bit funny because at first the, um, the person who answered the phone was kind of like, because I asked, is, is this the church where Pastor MacArthur is at? She's like, yes. And I think she thought I was going to be someone who was going to give them a hard time. I said, well, you know, I'm a Roman Catholic priest out in Kansas, and I just wanted to say thank you for your gentle Christian witness. And she's like, oh, you know, thank you, thank you so much. I just... I And I misunderstood you. I was thinking you were talking about one of the bishops, because I know, I think the bishop in San Francisco <coughs> was, yeah. was making a stand, so that, yeah. No, I, no, Archbishop Cardiglione, yeah, yeah. he, um, no, you're, you're right in saying, and um, he's, I think he's... Probably the last update I saw is it sounds like he's getting ready to ask people to um, publicly protest that that ban in in gentle ways. Um, and you know it's it's tough. Various parts of the country so tough. Mm-hmm. And yeah. people simply by choosing not to go along with um, any any sort of absurd restriction in my humblest opinion that's that's just a gentle way that we can we can put forth to uh, that witness of of Christianity that we are not afraid we are not afraid and uh, we know that our good Lord is so happy when we live that witness but it as we said from the beginning of today it comes from prayer comes from prayer it comes from that that daily rosary and that Divine Mercy Chaplet, of which the radio station's named after Divine Mercy Radio. And boy, we need Divine Mercy in our own lives and in the world. 
I think. Father Matthew Cowan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Deacon. Thanks for coming. And for all the people listening, just thank you for your donations and your prayers for Divine Mercy. It's so very important. Thanks for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. If you have a comment about today's show, please go to dvmercy.com and click on the Double-Edged Sword icon. The comment button is in the middle of the page. If you can help great shows like this stay on the air, please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate. Your donation will be greatly appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KBDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, Harden not your hearts.